Welcome to Adoption Now, sharing real stories of the joys and challenges of adoption. Now here's the host of Adoption Now, April Fallon. Hi, welcome to Adoption Now, telling your adoption story. I'm your host, April Fallon. Today we have the Colorado Director of United for Adoption Nonprofit, Corinne Christian on. Corinne, thanks for being here. You're welcome. Happy to be here. So, Corinne, let's talk a little bit about open adoption. You have five children, two biological, three adopted kiddos, and you're just passionate about open adoption. You're passionate about post-birth mother care. Let's talk about what open adoption looks like in your family. So, open adoption to me is really... I think at its essence, it's just having a really open heart to the ability to love other people, not just the children that you adopt, but their birth parents, their birth grandparents, aunts, uncles, and to kind of learn and grow from all the people that are are involved in, I guess, in a really open adoption, you know? So I, for me, open adoption is more love. Yes, I love that. Tell me a little bit about how you and Brandon started the journey. Um, well, a little bit of hindsight before I ever came to be married or anything like that. I found out when I was about 16 that I would have uh, endometriosis. And so with knowing about that in my teenage years, I was able to grieve, I guess, at a younger age mm -hmm. and come to understand that adoption would be an amazing way to grow my family. And I love that song. I don't know if you've heard it before. It's by Michael McLean. It's called From God's Arms to My Arms to Yours. And I remember hearing this song and thinking, that's amazing. Adoption sounds amazing. This woman is placing her child, you know, because... She understands that bigger picture that this child comes from God's arms to her arms, to the family that she places with. And so that was always on my heart at a young age. And when I was in college, I met my husband. And of course, normally the second date, I would tell people, hey, I have infertility problems, so I plan on adopting my children. So sometimes there was never a third date, and that's okay. <laughs> but with him, I actually kind of forgot to even mention it until we were on the road trip to go meet my mother. And it was starting to get very serious. And I just happened to remember, oh my gosh, I haven't told this guy that I have infertility issues. And what if he doesn't want me after that? And so in the car, I kind of cavalierly said, hey, oh, just by the way, I have endometriosis. And uh, that means I'm going to have a hard time having children. So yeah, I plan on adopting. And he looks at me and he says, well, um, I'm adopted. So that's cool. <gasps> what? <laughs> yeah. So I was like, oh, wait, wait a second. Hold on. <laughs> so then he's like, let's have 10, 12 to 13 children. I'm like, you're ridiculous. <laughs> oh, my goodness. So you guys did not discuss that he was adopted? No, I didn't um, discuss that. And I should have known because I met his little brother and he looked nothing like him. So his brother is uh, interracial, and he is not, obviously. So I thought, I don't know, maybe somebody had black hair and somebody had blonde hair, and somebody had lighter skin and darker skin on family gene pools. I don't know. So anyways, so yeah, so we were married for four years. And at that fourth year, we started to realize that, you know, things weren't hap happening as easy as we had planned. Mm -hmm. And we decided to go to a church 
kind of seminar type thing about foster care and adoption. And so we went there, both of us left going, let's do foster care. It's going to be great. This will ease us into parenting. Mm-hmm. Ha ha ha. That's like not ever true. I don't know if you know, foster care is really tough, but we, <laughs> right. we had that on our heart and we're like, okay, let's do that. So we prayed about it and then it just didn't feel right. And we're like, okay, we need to do some more intensive prayer and some studying and pondering. And both of us did that for the next two or three weeks. And both of us came out of that feeling that we needed to adopt and we needed to hurry. So we met with our bishop or our clergy and a week later we were in the office for adopt adoption and gosh, two weeks later, our caseworker calls us and says, hey, do you have blonde hair? And I said, you've seen me, you know I don't have blonde hair. He's like, I know, do you dye your hair or what's the deal here? Is, is your husband, Brandon, naturally blonde? And I'm like, what? yeah, why are you asking me all these weird questions? He said, well, we have this expectant mom and she's looked through a hundred plus profiles. She hasn't found the right family. And one of her things is that she, she needs somebody that has blonde hair in the family. And I just really feel like you guys should get your home study and all your paperwork in. And I know it's only like three days from now, but can you do it over the weekend? And I was like, sure. Yeah, hold on. So I called my husband up and he's like, okay, I need more information than that. So he calls and he gets all these details from the caseworker. And, you know, we find out that, you know, she's expecting a girl and she's due in like a month and a half. And, and she's blonde also. And she lives really close to us, like 15 minutes away. So we decide, okay, we'll do this. We'll get our stuff in and see what happens. Mm -hmm. And we turned it all in on a Monday. She saw it on a Tuesday and we were kind of waiting on pins and needles. And then the office closed for Christmas. So we heard nothing. And over Christmas break, we kind of just felt like, wait, this could really happen. Like we could totally just have a child soon. And that's the best feeling, isn't it? I know you're like on pins and needles. You're like, this could really happen. And you don't know what to say to people because they're like, do you have kids? I'm like, I don't know. I might have a kid soon. Right. (laughs) So anyways, so after Christmas break was over on December 30th, the caseworker for the birth mom called us and said, Hey, you guys have been picked. And we're like, whoa really you know so we went in a couple days later on january 2nd and we met kara and kyle who um were 17 and 18 and it just felt like meeting your sister and Mm. we just embraced and hugged and cried and met her parents and it was just one of those things where you just like wow i had no idea that god was planning all this stuff while i was still trying to figure out what was going on (laughs) And after we met them, we met them one more time on uh, January 9th, and she was born on the 12th. So from the 2nd to the 10th, we had, you know, a few days to prepare, or 2nd to the 12th, sorry, we had a few days to prepare. So that's an awesome story, though. Instant parents. As far as, you know, you're just waiting, and there's this baby, and everything worked out, and you're very close to, to the birth mother still. Yes. So Kara and I have a great relationship. We've Obviously, it's been 11 and a half years now. So she was just up a couple of weeks ago and just having some time over spring break to hang out with us and with Brielle and all the kids. And Kara's entire family essentially adopted all of us. And I don't know how many people start out in their process, but we kind of did that thing. Okay, we'll be open for three years and we'll visit. But when that three-year mark comes, we're just going to do pictures and letters. Mm -hmm. And that three-year mark came and we did this huge birthday party. And everybody was there from her side of the family, and we were there. And after it was all over, 
you know the bounce house and the balloons and the cake i just had this sinking feeling in my heart that this wasn't right like why end it now mm -hmm. you know so i remember calling our caseworker up and i said is it okay if we don't do that a whole agreed thing that three-year thing that we talked about and the caseworker said you can do whatever you want so i called up the birth grandma and i said hey how would you feel about being grandma forever and she said, I would love that. And so we didn't have to close anything or only do pictures and letters. And ever since then, gosh, we've had vacations together, times where we've wow. just come up and been fishing. We are staying nights over at their house sometimes or the, over at ours, um, visiting us in Colorado. And yeah, it's been fun. We are, we're open with her siblings as well. So Kara's siblings, aunts and uncles and cousins and it's incredibly, they're just a grafted branch of our family tree. I just want to say, if you listened to last show, maybe you're listening on air or you're listening to the podcast, you are probably thinking if you're an adoptive mom, oh my goodness, I can't get a perm and I need to have blonde hair. Because last show, Ashley, who you know, yes. told the story how she looked through all these uh, profile books and she's like, I can't pick somebody who has a perm. And then you just brought up that they're like, I want someone with blonde hair, blonde hair in the family. So hair matters, I guess. I don't know. I guess apparently it did to her at that point, but she also liked that we had a pug. So we talked about that last week too. It's it, sometimes it's just the dog. Random thing, you know, yeah. but I when mean, it's meant to be, it's meant to be totally. Now, how does Brielle handle having her birth mother in her life? Well, you know, there comes a point with her age when she started to get older that you have to let them make that decision mm -hmm. if they want to visit. And sometimes it's tough. So obviously as a kid, we were just like, let's go visit your birth mom and grandparents. And it was just very open and we just kind of did it. And then it becomes child-led, which I think naturally should be, you know. Mm -hmm. And now at an older age and she's in that beautiful time where she's starting to become a woman. Mm -hmm. So now it's a lot more emotional. You know, when Kara was here, it was super exciting. Um, I feel like there's kind of that build up, like it should be more than it is, you know, but that's kind of also the age of 11, 12, 13, you know. Um, and when she left, it was really, really hard. And so it is, it's sad. It's like saying goodbye to, you know, parts of your family for a while. So mm -hmm. it's, it's good when it's good and it's tough when it's not often, you know. But she's bonded to you. Oh, of course. Yeah, she's, you know, it's funny. Me and Kara have been out with her before, and they look at us in a different light. They're like, oh, you have two moms. And then we have to explain that whole thing. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> and um, it's pretty interesting. And, you know, it just gives us the opportunity to educate other people when right. you know, we're in that situation. And she also takes days or dates out with her birth mom. And so it's cool because Kara's also an advocate and talks about She's like, well, she's my daughter, but... I'm not her mom, you know, and mm. so it's it's tough for her, but she's kind of come to this point where she has strength about her story. Mm -hmm. She's owned that, you know, and it's awesome. I have to ask that question only because that is the fear for adoptive moms is if I let this woman into our lives, what if my child wants to be with her or what if she says, you're not my real mom and she knows her real mom and or, you know, she uses oh, she that said term. That before. I mean, how do you handle that? You know, um, I think when she said that, I she was obviously in kind of hysterics or upset about something. And mm -hmm. I just take that as a grain of salt because I don't know about you, but I remember as a young preteen and teen going, well, I'm going to run away, you know. So it's kind of the same jab 
you know, you're just upset at your parents and you want to make them mad or upset at you. And I don't cry about it. Uh, I actually just texted her birth mom and said, hey, guess what? This happened. And she goes, oh, my gosh, you had two extra years because she was telling Kara was telling me that she was kind of a stinker from like eight and a half on. And so when I told her that it happened at like 10, mm -hmm. she said, oh, man, you're so lucky you got a couple extra years in there, you know. So we kind of laugh about it. But at the same point, like, I don't know for me that it really hurts me, but I understand that she's feeling these emotions and she's trying to understand them, mm -hmm. you know. So it's normal. I mean, it's totally normal. normal. It's going to happen with two more kids, if not more after mm -hmm. that as well. You're not my real mom thing. Right. So. Okay, let's go on to baby number two. So, yeah. So baby number two, uh, I was able to stay pregnant after having, gosh, two miscarriages because two days before Brielle was born, I ended up in the ER and I was miscarrying a baby at 14 weeks. Oh, no. So... So yeah, that was different. But when Brielle was about nine months old, I ended up not feeling very well. And a couple of weeks went by and I still wasn't feeling very well. And then I took pregnancy tests. And with anybody who struggled with infertility knows, you hate taking that pregnancy test because you are tired of seeing not pregnant or not two lines or whatever that is, you know. So of course I did not want to take another pregnancy test. And I think I took three. I was like, are you sure I'm positive? Are you sure? And um, so, yeah, so I ended up having Aria, and Brielle and Aria were 18 months apart. So I had two little girls oh telling the birth families that, hey, I'm pregnant, and it's a girl. They were so excited that Brielle was going to have a little sister, and I had plenty of fun matching them and carting them around, and both of them have blonde hair and blue eyes, which Aww. is crazy. I know. So people did not stop you and say... Who's, I, yeah, yeah, who's adopted? I used to make right. it a game. Can you guess which one is adopted? And they would look at me and look at my husband and they're like, none? You're joking? You know? <laughs> okay, so were you done at that point? No, we knew that we wanted a big family. Maybe not the 12, 13 kids that Brandon had talked about. Right. I was I was cool with four. But really, we wanted God to kind of lead that. And we kind of had a round number, like six to eight sounded good. Oh, my goodness. So, yeah, I know. Crazy, right? Hey, you have four. You right. Talk. It's true. It's true. And now I'm like, when they're like, are you done? I was at the doctor say, so is this it? I'm like, I don't know. I don't know. I'm going to stop saying no. I'm just saying, I don't yeah. know. So, yeah, after Aria, we tried for a couple more years. Nothing was happening. We had one almost adoption where we met the birth mother and we met her parents and we went to the doctor's appointment and we did all those good things. But in doing that at the doctor's appointment, I really felt this like animosity that she had. It wasn't really towards me. It was kind of towards her situation. Um, and something just didn't feel right. Mm -hmm. And I think the Holy Ghost totally leads you. The Holy Spirit leads you. Yeah, and, absolutely. And with her, I was like, okay, honey, we need to take you to the office, like the social services office and let you know what your options are. So the very next day she calls me up and she says, Hey, if you can't afford this baby, then I have another family lined up. And I said, honey, this is not about that. It's not about money. I think you need to know your options. And so we took her down to the social services office and the caseworker there actually happened to be an adoptive mom of biracial children and said, honey, if you want to, if you totally want a parent, do it. So we helped her get the resources that she need. And then two weeks later, she said, hey, I'm parenting. And I said, good for you. I feel like that was the right thing. As a woman, woman to woman, right. you need to know all your options. And she decided to parent. And it was bittersweet, for sure, you know. But I was really glad that I would not jeopardize 
you know, the opportunity to adopt the right child by right. trying to force something when it wasn't right. So after her, uh, we made a big, huge move and we came to Colorado. And after we had visited here on vacation before we ever had children, both of us felt very strongly that our family would grow here and that we were meant to come here. So we came to Colorado and not even a day went by after getting here the very next morning, we were in adoption core training very next day. I mean, we're wow. in a hotel and in core training the next day. And the day after that, we uh, also, I think we had a little bit more core training. I think it was like a two-day training thing. And then we moved into our house. And the next day at church, um, I we have this thing called testimony meeting where you get to testify of your faith and, and where you're at in that journey. And I thanked the people who had helped watch my kids and helped us move in. And a lady came up after that and said, hey, I have a daughter who's pregnant and I feel like you need to meet her. And we're like, okay, this is really happening too fast, you know? <laughs> Anyways, long story short, with my friend um, Jessica, she ended up choosing the family that was right for her and it was very fun. We got to kind of surprise the family that she chose in a photo session because I was shooting photography for all these couples who were trying to update their profiles and women who were choosing placement. And so, um, ended up not being our baby, which is totally meant to be. Mm -hmm. And we ended up uh, cradle carrying, I guess you would say, or respite carrying a little girl for about 10 days. And during that time, um, we had had a contact with a birth mom through our agency. And she, I, I told our caseworker, hey, we got this contact last night. And he said, oh, that actually isn't for you. That was for a different family. I think you got it by accident. Oh. And I said, oh, that stinks. He said, but don't, don't like cut anything off. Just ask her questions, you know, and see if it really is meant to be for you guys. So I emailed her back and I said, so what was it that you liked about our family? And she emailed. She said, you have blonde hair. No. no. <laughs> <laughs> she, she emailed me back. She said, those big red flowers that the girls had in their hair and that you had in your hair, I could just kept having those in my memory. And as I was searching through all these families on the internet, I kept coming back to you guys and I wanted to place with, you know, I wanted to pick a family that didn't have children, but I kept coming back to your family. And so I, me and her exchanged emails and then phone calls and, you know, chatted with my husband for a bit. Four weeks later, we did a secret trip and went and met her. And her name is also Jessica. And after we met her, I still didn't really have an answer from her. So we were getting in our car and going to Ikea and out to lunch and whatnot. And I said, so are you still talking to other families as well as us? And she looked at me and said, no, it's totally you guys. No, it's you. And I was like, oh, okay, cool. So, cause you know, some people get, they get surprised by their birth moms or they, you know, get a phone call. But mm. I was like, no, we're just gonna go to Ikea. And you know, you could just tell me that, that it's us. That's amazing. You know, that is works amazing. for us. Yeah. <laughs> so, so four weeks later, Gavin was born, little Gavin Danger. The best surprise ever is he had just a head full of red hair. And, you know, one of my girlfriends who happens to be involved in my life asked me, she said, well, if the baby has red hair, are you going to throw him back? What? Yeah. Well, she was uh, an expectant mom placing with a family. And when her boy was born, oh. he had red hair. And the family came from Texas and he was three weeks early and he had red hair. And they said, no, we're going to pass. He doesn't fit <sighs> in with how our family looks. And so, so my friend Sam said, what if he has red hair? Are you going to throw him back? And so I instantly, after we met him, I emailed Sam a picture or texted her a picture. And 
And she, I said, he's got red hair and he's awesome. We said yes. I know, I know. We totally said yes. We're keeping him forever. That's so awesome because so, even through that story, you brought healing to her. Yes. And she she wanted to place and she didn't know. She said, I wish I would have known that I could have chosen a different family. She ended up her, um, finishing her master's degree, which I would is incredible in um, therapy so that's awesome she's parenting and doing the best that she can and she's just an amazing woman and I feel like God intervenes and weaves all those amazing people Mm -hmm. in your life for certain things and maybe it's just to hear one thing Mm -hmm. at a time that's why it's important to tell your story Mm -hmm. and I tell families that all the time they're like I don't know if I should come on adoption now I don't know if my story is interesting or cool enough or cool enough or you know traumatic enough Well, if it's your story, it's important. And if you tell it, there might be just one person that needs to hear that certain detail about your story. We need to take a break. You're listening to Adoption Now. We'll be right back. This is KLTT Commerce City, Denver, broadcasting in HD digital radio and online at 670KLTT.com. Hi, this is Noah, April's husband. Are you enjoying the program today, but wonder how you can hear more stories about the joys and challenges of adoption? Good news. Adoption Now is available on podcasts through iTunes and Google Play. Just search Adoption Now and subscribe. We download a new show weekly, allowing you access to every story we've shared. I hope you enjoy the rest of today's story as we get back to the host of the show, April Fallon. Welcome back to Adoption Now. I'm your host, April Fallon. Today we're talking to Corinne. She has five children, three are adopted, two are biological. And she has a really special story because her children are experiencing open adoption. And that's kind of new in the adoption world. And You know, it just seems like, Corinne, everything that you've said through this journey, I mean, you've gone through several miscarriages. You've gone through um, adoptions that you thought were going to happen, didn't happen. You've been a part of adoption where the child, you actually matched them to another family that was meant to be. Helped, not necessarily matched, but helped. Helped match. And a part of your story is just that you have this great passion for adoption. You have a great passion for people. You love people. And so if that means that you might suffer loss in that process, you're willing to do it. And that's the thing I love about you. Every time we talk, I'm like, you're so inspiring because you're so emotionally connected to what's the right decision. Emotions can make you go all over the place, but you seem to be like, I have peace about this. Mm -hmm. And so now you have three beautiful children in your story Mm -hmm. and you've just adopted this little boy with bright red hair Mm -hmm. and you want more kids. Well. I think we were on a roller coaster for the first little while because we, you know, he had allergies and stuff like that that we had to work out. And the poor kid was like not liking formula. So he was spitting up everywhere. And mm -hmm. um, I don't know how many people know, but you can have donated breast milk Mm -hmm. and you can feed your baby that. So after he got off that, it was a roller coaster. And from, gosh, six months to 18 months was really, really tough. And in that time, Actually, I think when he was about three months, we finally got to meet his birth father. And when I met Jessica, I had asked her, hey, what's the situation with his birth father? Yeah, it's kind of sensitive, you know. And she said, well, here's the situation. And I don't, I don't need to tell her story. But to keep it short, you know, she just wasn't ready to tell him. And in the state of Utah, they have different laws that once you um, 
participate in the act of creating a child, that is your notification that you could have a re child result from that that instance, you know? So <laughs> that's their law. And it's very different than Colorado and mm -hmm. many, many other states. So it was different. And, you know, with Brielle's adoption, we met her birth father. We met him. He had this amazing, incredible heart. And he said, I am choosing adoption because my family sacrificed all of this stuff. We moved, we changed jobs, we got new schools, new friends, so that my deaf and blind sister could go to this amazing school. Why wouldn't I do the same for my own child? So his heart was already mm -hmm. willing to, to do that. And so here I am going, what about this guy? He needs to know. I want him to be, you know, at least involved or in some way, at least he knows he has a child. So at three months, we, she, she contacted him and, and he contacted us and kind of went from there. And so when we were at the a national adoption conference that I was speaking at, after I was done speaking, I went to the mall near nearby and I met Gavin's birth father in like a play center area, you know, and I looked right at him and I'm like, oh man, he looks so much like him, you know. And from, Did you have the baby with you? Oh yeah, I totally had okay. him with me, you know, and he was holding this little guy and he's like, he's so cute, but I want a, I want a paternity test. And we're like, oh, okay, you know. So that night he came over to Jessica, Jessica's house and he did the swabs and he sent him off and he said, before I tell my family anything, and so I hear, I'm on this other end of the phone talking to this 23, 24 year old, trying to walk him through this, like, how do I tell my parents? What's going on? You know, I, the test came back and, and I'm nervous. And I said, you just need to tell them, just be open. You know, I'm, I'm here for you. I'm on the other end of the phone. They can call me if they want to talk, you know? And so he told his mom and he, he showed her a picture and she said, you needed a paternity test to tell, look at this kid. Right. He looks just <laughs> like you, you know? And then he took a little bit longer and he finally told his dad, which his dad's a little older and a little more old fashioned. And so through that relationship with Dustin, Gavin's birth dad, we have just had incredible open adoption with him and his brother and his mother. And in fact, we just went to Peru and went to Machu Picchu in the Amazon with Dustin and what? his mom and his brother and his They're brother's girlfriend. Oh, yeah. <laughs> oh, my god. So, I mean, more than just coming up for holidays and special occasions, but going on vacations together. And we just truly, sincerely love Jessica and Dustin and love where they're at in their lives. And they're healthy. You know, they're healthy individuals who can carry on good relationships. So I think it's really huge. So after Gavin... We tried again and I miscarried. And actually during that time when I, um, after I had the miscarriage, I got really, really healthy. And I was like, I'm just gonna focus on being healthy. And got so healthy that I was able to match, to donate my kidney to my friend Sam that I had mentioned before. And so I took her out to, to dinner and I, I told her, hey, I'm, I'm gonna give you my kidney. Oh my goodness. <laughs> and she's like, are you crazy? And I said, hey, people gave me their children. Mm. willingly and knowingly gave me their child, I would give you my kidney. And she was just like, well, the doctors haven't told me. And I said, well, I haven't set a date yet. I want to go on my, my 10 year anniversary trip. And so during that time, um, while all that was going on a couple weeks later, I ended up pregnant and I was like, well, I'm just going to lose the baby anyways. It's just happened multiple times. So I'm not going to tell Sam yet. So 15 weeks go by, baby's still there. And my midwife's like, okay, I think you need to, I think you need to tell her. So I remember calling up Sam, you know, cause she's like, when are we planning this? You know, and I'm like, Sam, I'm pregnant, you know? And she's like, 
well, that's good. I want you to be pregnant and I want you to stay pregnant. And I'm like, I know, but I can't give you my kidney, you know? And so it was just really hard, mm-hmm. you know? Um, cause they do psychological evaluations. I mean, talk about the like home study process to donate a kidney. They want to know that you're not like trying to like buy a best friend with an organ, you know, crazy. Right. So, um, I told her that. And then three or four months later, she ended up finding a perfect match and was able to do the, um, I, I guess it's not really a transfer. What would you call it? A Im- implant. She was able to get her new kidney, you know, um, a couple weeks after that. So it was a really incredibly meant to be. And I ended up having a fourth kiddo, Slade. Slayed Justice, and he was super healthy and super big. He was like 10, he was 8, 13, big boy. And he's like, thank goodness for that kidney. Totally healthy, yes. (laughs) Apparently there was more involved in that because during that time, we were also getting ready to do foster care. So we had set up the room. We totally had the twin bed and the crib set up, and we're ready to do this amazing foster care journey, which we had already done all the training for. And, you know, God is hilarious. You have a plan and he will totally give you a whole new one. Mm-hmm. So A better one. Right. A totally better one. So during that time, these, these two years when we had done this foster training, we had adopted Gavin, moved, and then stayed pregnant with Slade as well as the other miscarriages in there. And the incredible thing is during that time, I was able to help six other families get into the foster care program and four of them ended up adopting children through there. So sometimes you're just a a window and an instrument, you know, I agree. And and it wasn't necessarily meant to be our journey. So it was pretty incredible. So we had Slade and he, how was the age difference? So they're 21 months apart and they are best buddies. They are so cute together. He's always like, come here, Slady, come give me a hug, come give me a kiss. You know, like he really has, Gavin has that really big older brother mm-hmm. love for him. And yes, they fight over toys once in a while, but right. total brothers. But they have adorable. a special relationship. That's mm-hmm. amazing. Totally. Yes. So after Slade, um, my husband and I kind of chatted and we're like, are we done? You know, and I'm sure, you know, people ask you that all the time. They're like, hey, you have a lot of kids, you know. Right. Don't you have enough? Or or they say, or they say, so have you figured out how that works? And I'm right. like, yeah, I did. I did. <laughs> you know, kind of have to laugh it off. I just love your story because I see so much of myself in when you talk. I'm like, yes, I totally get that because I'm a person who also says yes to everything. And especially when it has to do with children, it's really hard to walk away and say no or to not be involved in somebody's process or journey, you know. And so I'm always like, yes, yes, I'll do whatever it is that is going to help somebody right. and that can be good and bad. But what I love about your story is when I see you talking about what happened to you, I'm like, God is blessing you so much. You're willing to give up your kidney. I just feel like he's like, <laughs> she's going to have a baby. You know I mean? It's like, you're saying yes and you're a good friend and you love people. And so God is able to use you and take you on a journey that you didn't know was possible. But totally. a lot of it is because you said yes, cause you're open. Well, and that's what I tell couples a lot when I'm talking to these hopeful adoptive couples is that you have to remember that you are asking for this major, huge blessing, this incredible gift for you to be blessed with a child. And you can't do this checklist to God. Well, I want him to have, you know, I want him to have freckles and I want him to have blue eyes and I want Mm -hmm. them to, the birth mom to be completely normal and be a college graduate or whatever these Mm -hmm. things that you're thinking you have to have in this, you're taking this huge blessing and you're just shrinking it down to this tiny little concealed box with a bow on it already. And if you look at that little tiny box on that beautiful package, it cannot be opened. 
until you open it. You have to undo that beautiful ribbon and your heart is there and it's ready to receive just like that box is open and you have to open up all the windows, all the doors. So with foster care, with donating my kidney potentially and with trying to still get pregnant naturally, all those things were my way to say, okay, Lord, I'm as open as I possibly can, as I possibly can be. Now you you do what you want because <laughs> I've tried that before and it never works. And you're such a happy person <laughs> that I always, when we first talked, I thought it must have been perfect for her because she's so happy. No, no. And then you hear your story and you're like, no, there's a lot of grief and there's a lot of disappointment. And there's a lot of times where things didn't work out the way that you thought they were going to. And yet you still are smiling and like, let's do this again. We're just slightly crazy. It's okay. <laughs> but with Slade, after I had Slade, I really felt like the Holy Spirit, you know, pour out upon my heart that this was my last child biologically and that I didn't need to try anymore to have babies physically and that the rest were coming through adoption. And that hit me like a ton of bricks. That started a whole new cycle of grief for me. I'm like, wait, what? Hold on. I've had, I've had seven pregnancies. I've had two out of this. I can do better than two out of seven. Like I can totally do better. And what I realized during that time that it's not a process for me to show God how great I can be, you know, birthing children or, or whatever that is that you think you have to show him that you're this great person. He already knows you're a great person. He already loves you. You know, he just knew that the bigger picture was different for our family. And so at the end of nursing Slade, I did, I cried for three days because I knew this was that last chapter of my life when it comes to bearing children. And that was hard. That was really hard. And my husband finally, after like day three, he looked at me while we were driving and he turns and says, honey, he's not dead. You're just done nursing. It's okay. <laughs> <laughs> he has these fun phrases too, because uh -huh. he's adopted as well. And he says, oh, you advocate so much for adoption. You know, I'm, I'm adopted. It happened once. It's not a disease, you know, and I was like, calm down. <laughs> so it's just, it's interesting, but I love that adoption is not a disease. It's not a disease. And I'm like, no, but we need to support everyone in the triad you know, and, and help everybody, especially like you're talking about birth mothers and birth fathers. They're an underserved part of our adoption triad. And mm -hmm. yes, not all of them are going to be in a super healthy place to receive that support and that love. But at some point in their life, they're going to need that, you know. Well, yeah. Let's talk about your final adoption. Okay. Oh, final. I don't know about oh, that well, one. Well, <laughs> the next, the ne number five. Oh, okay. So um, we were actually getting ready to go out of the country. We had talked about the dossier program we talked about all these things and we were like let's go to the Philippines or let's go somewhere and so we were calling around all these agencies here in Colorado because our church agency um, shut down a lot of the church agencies did uh, a few years back so we got in touch with all these agencies and they're like okay this is what you're gonna need to do and like awesome this is gonna be so cool I'm gonna have this amazing adventure I'm gonna go out to this beautiful country and like be there for a month and come back with two children no that was not God's plan either. So <laughs> my not so open heart at that time had to be kind of humbled. Um, and some sometimes that's the best thing to be, you know, is really humble through this process. I'm sure I'm sure most people will say it's it's very it's very spiritual, I think, mm -hmm. for most people. Mm -hmm. Um so 
After about six or seven people calling me, whether they worked with agencies or knew a friend, they said, hey, we have this baby being born. We have these little boy or this little girl. And I'm like, no, 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 no. We're going out of country. We're going out of country. We're going out of the country. And then my friend says, hey, we have triplets being born in Arizona. What do you think? And I'm like, whoa, let me talk to my husband. And he was like, okay, honey, I love you. But like after they're two, I would probably want to divorce you just to have a break, you know? And I'm like, oh, we are not adopting triplets. That's okay, you know? And so I was like, you know, I kept just telling everybody we're going out of the country and this is what we're doing, what I want to do. And literally, I'm sure it was just one night after prayer. It was like, you need to get ready. You need to get ready to do domestic adoption again. And I was like, no, no, I'm not doing that. So kind of fighting God. It's kind of not a good thing to do. And after a few more experiences like that, I don't always like to tell everything all the time because those are very sacred. I think they're very personal, you know. But let's just say um, it was very much made known to my heart that that little girl that I first miscarried right before Brielle, that little girl, which apparently I didn't even know it was a girl, is still trying to get here and you need to be ready for her. And that was very much put on my heart. And I was shocked to the core and I you know, I remember just sitting there thinking, are you sure? Like, this is what you want me to do because, because other people deserve to have these little infants. I can take a toddler. I can take an older child that's got some trauma involved, you know. Like, I can do that, you know. And I think it was me trying to be like, I'm tough again. Look, mm-hmm. it, I can do this, you know. And so I prayed about it a little bit more. And I'm like, okay, Lord, if this is really what you want, please just one more small sign, like one more thing. Don't have anybody connected to adoption. And just something to let me know that you want me to do this domestic route again. And um, of course, he's awesome. And the very next day, my friend Sam calls, the one that I was going to donate my kidney to. Oh, right. Yes. And she calls and she's like, hey, um, I I met this girl and she wants to place with a family who already has children and somebody of your same faith. And she's having this baby. And I just think like I needed to call you and this might be your situation. And I'm like looking up to the heavens after I get off the phone. I'm like, okay, Lord, I'm listening. Like, got it like this is what you want us to do great so I called my husband and I said hey there's this girl and she's having a baby and he said well inquire about it you know and what if this isn't what if this is the one that's meant to be in our family and so I inquired about it and it got us to get all of our paperwork going and lo and behold this wasn't our situation and um, I believe this young woman chose another family which is fantastic great um, but it was what you needed to get everything done. It was done. exactly that like spark, that spark mm-hmm. that you needed to get going. And so we got all of our paperwork done. We turned it in July, I think it was like July 18th. And our home study process was done uh, around December 18th. So, you know, it was kind of a long process. But, you know, the home study process never is really expedited unless you need it to be like yours. Right, right. <laughs> so um, December 18th, we put our papers in with... Uh, Premier Adoptions, which is a tri-state adoption agency out of Utah, Arizona, and Nevada. And that was the one that we felt led to. I don't know why. We just did. And we told our caseworkers and our agency, hey, you know, you know we have four kids. We're not everybody's first pick. Probably not even their pick at all. So no rush. Don't worry about it. We're going to go on vacation. So we decided we go vacation and we took our big girls and my husband's mom to Hawaii and after Hawaii we got contacted there 14 hours in oh of course it's always <laughs> when you go on a vacation if you want a baby and you're home study ready just go on a vacation right 
And and after we got off the plane from that trip, we ended up talking with um, this sweet birth mom. Her name is Dossie. And after that phone call at the very end, she said, I don't need to talk to anybody else. This is them. And four weeks later, we met her and shared Easter vacation, Easter time with her. And it was really wonderful. And four weeks after that, Celise was born. And our little girl, Celise, is turning one on Friday. And we're celebrating her first birthday. Aw. So. And the best part is, is that she looked like the baby that you thought you were going to get. Yes. She, I had had kind of, I don't know if you would say like the heavens opened up, but I just had this little in my heart that this next little child is going to have brown hair and brown eyes. And so I thought, well, for sure I've got to go out of the country, you know, to get a brown haired, brown eyed kid. I don't know. I just thought we don't have those here. Yeah. Well, (laughs) hello. Anyways. So lo and behold, this little girl was born with brown hair and brown eyes and she's just as cute as a button. She's adorable. That's so amazing. So cheery. (laughs) So we only have one minute left. Tell us about what you do to help birth mothers. Okay. So United for Adoption, essentially we help the whole triad, but we've found that the birth parent community is underserved here in Colorado. So we put on a retreat every year. This is our third retreat and it's a high adventure and healing and therapeutic retreat. So every year we search for donations from the community, from agencies, from families, from businesses, and we put on a free experience retreat for these birth mothers and birth fathers. And we provide um, group sessions and counseling as well as fun activities like hiking, canoeing, uh, whitewater rafting and such. So it's, it's an important time for these birth parents to connect to other birth parents to also work through their stuff and come away with a sense of wholeness and healing and have the opportunity to, to grow and learn together. How can someone get a hold of you? Well, the easiest way is to go on to unitedforadoption.org and you can click on a link that says volunteer or contact and you click on the Colorado chapter and an email will be sent to me. You can also find us on Facebook at United for Adoption Colorado chapter page. I believe it's a page and you can find myself on Facebook as well anytime. Awesome. Corinne, thank you so much for being here. No problem. It's great. Don't forget to like Adoption Now on Facebook. And remember, all of our podcasts that we've been talking about today, they're available on iTunes. Thanks for tuning in to Adoption Now. I'm your host, April Fallon. See you next week. Thanks for joining us for today's Adoption Now. If you would like to tell your story or for more information about Adoption Now, visit the website at adoption-now.com or find it on Facebook. And join us next week at the same time as we share another adoption story on 670 AM KLTT.